is what I love to do. Uh, I get to tell Cody Hansen, the drummer from Hinder. I get to tell the band's story. I get to tell his story. Uh, but I'm also learning new stuff about this band. And uh, I think this is a good interview that fans of Hinder, diehard fans of Hinder will enjoy. And also, if you've never heard of Hinder or you weren't a fan before, uh, I hope after hearing this interview, well, you at least check out their music and more than just the Lips of an Angel song because they really have a great catalog. And we're going to go through the band's history. And Cody has some great stories and opinions on things. And I really appreciated his openness and honesty. Like he gave me his opinion on the Trap Singer. He has a really cool Mick Mars story. He tells me which talk show host was maybe not the friendliest guy. And you'll also hear a touring story that puts Ozzy's snorting ants and licking piss story to shame. So you're going to want to pay attention to this one. Have fun listening. I know I did. Welcome Cody Hansen to the podcast from a drummer of Hinder, co-founder, drummer and songwriter. I found out I didn't realize you'd written a lot of these songs. Yeah, man. I mean, I've, you know, since the very beginning, that's that's uh, just kind of been our thing, right? So, you know, over the years, it's kind of developed into production and, uh, you know, mixing and mastering and, and, you know, pretty much the whole deal. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, because it's, it's not as – there's so many drummers that just literally just play the drums and they don't even know how to write music, right? Yeah, you know, I've never really considered myself to be like one of those like drummer, drummer guys, you know what I mean? Like – you know, I don't really keep up with who's who, you know, out there and, and, and like have like, you know, a favorite drummer, you know what I mean? Like I've always kind of taken the approach that's more like a really song based approach, I guess. Like what's best for the song, what's best for, for, for the band as a whole. And, and that's kind of always been my approach. So how do you write songs that you must play other instruments than the drums then, right? Yeah, I do. I, I play guitar and, and, uh, you know, I can kind of get around on the piano. I, I wouldn't say that I can like play the piano, but you know, I like, I know how to, you know, create, create chords and, um, you know, good enough to, to record it and, and edit it if, if I need to. Or yeah. Okay. And so you kind of have a musical, uh, family background. Your, your grandfather was a bluegrass musician. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, lived in, in South Dakota and, Every time him and my grandma would come down, he'd always bring, you know, an extra guitar. And of course, I didn't know how to play it back then, but we'd always, you know, sit around and write little goofy kid songs about, you know, pigs and ducks or what, you know, whatever it may be. And uh, I think that's probably where I, I got interested in music. Oh, OK. And then you you have some really eclectic influences like 70s and 80s and 90s rock, but also country and gangster rap. I mean, you're all over the place. I think that's cool. I am. Yeah, man. Yeah. Growing up, I, I uh, was really into like, I was really into Buddy Holly and uh, Jimi Hendrix and um, Bad Company. Um, and then, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, gangster rap, I had older siblings. So that's, they were really into gangster rap at the time. And, you know, that's where I picked that up. And um, yeah, man. And, and growing up in, in Oklahoma, you have to, have country roots right right so, yeah <laughs> so yeah man i mean I'm, I'm pretty much all over the place and and it's it, it makes it interesting you know in the writing process because you know you can always find ways to use certain influences you know you can you can pick one thing from you know from this genre and 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 one thing from over here and, and kind of 
you know, put it all together and make it one cohesive thing, which is, is pretty cool. No, that's really cool. Did your parent, did your parents let you listen to NWA? Cause I had to hide mine in a blank tape and write new kids on the block on it. Yeah. Um, man, it's really weird. Like I, I was, my wife just was like blown away by that as well. She's always asking me that. And, uh, I don't really remember like ever having rules on what I could and couldn't listen to, you know, I just think I just kind of maybe just like did my own thing and listened to it in my room and nobody ever really paid attention. I, I don't really know, but would you yeah, let I, your, I would you let your kids listen to NWA? Well, that's, I don't, that's, there's a good reason why I don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a good answer. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So you and uh, Joe Garvey, the guitarist, you meet um, the original singer of Hinder. You guys met at a party. And I, I think most people may know the story of how you came up with the name Hinder. You, you guys were frustrated looking for a name. So you look it up in the dictionary. Hinder, it's like a th- th- in the th- or thesaurus or whatever. Uh, were there other names that you considered, though, before you decided on Hinder? Was there anything that someone had thrown out? Not that I can remember, man. We were, you know, it was really, it was really frustrating, obviously. <laughs> you know, we... We just like looked and looked and looked and, and nothing made sense. And, and then, you know, I think we were just to that point where, you know, we looked up frustrated, as you said, and the thesaurus, it was back, it was back in the day whenever people actually still had books, yeah. thesaurus book right. <laughs> in their house. Right. So, uh, out at my parents' house where we practiced and I pulled, pulled it off the shelf and opened it up and it was like, Hey, that word looks, looks kind of cool. Like, sure. Let's, let's go with it. I like so it. Broke the show and went and played it. I mean, probably that weekend. I don't know. It was it was really quick. Okay, and so then this is cool. I never heard of this thing. Uh, do they still do this? The Oklahoma March Bandness, and they and you guys made it to the final four, and then you lost to this band called Falcon Five O that I've never even heard of. What happened to that band? I I, I don't know. To be honest, you know, it, it was a that was one of those deals, man. It was really, you know, it was a really big deal around Oklahoma City. It was like the uh, the radio station that put it on is, is gone, but you know, okay. the alternative station they 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 would put it on every year, and uh, it was one of those deals where we had in Oklahoma City, we had built a pretty massive fan base. Um, so we ended up playing right before this this band, and. Um, our fan base was known for being really rowdy. So, uh, you know, we played and it was packed, you know, people were going crazy. And then this, this other band played and most of, most of the the people kind of cleared out. And of course, when they won the contest, our, our fans went, they went crazy. They were ready to fight everybody. (laughs) So it was a, it was kind of a a big deal at the time, I guess. But to be honest, man, that, that, that Falcon 5.0 band, they had a, a pretty catchy little, little pop rock song at the time. Hmm. I can't remember what it was something like dirty girl or one of those catchy little phrases or whatever. So, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. Okay. Well, that's cool. I think, I thought this was really interesting. So you guys are a young band. You're not signed to a record label yet. And what you did is you took all the money that you made from the shows and you put it back into the band for advertising and expenses and you saved money to record your debut EP. I think that's so smart because how many bands, I mean, I talk to musicians all the time. I would think a lot of them probably just waste their money on drugs or booze or whatever. Like whose idea was it to like, Hey guys, let's take this money that we make and let's put it back into the, that's a very business savvy kind of mentality. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, honestly, like 
I, I was going to school for, for business and, mm. um, you know, I, I wasn't even looking to, to be in a band, to be honest. I had, I had kind of quit playing music. Um, oh. and so, you know, whenever we, we met and just kind of started, started, you know, to, to practice or play around or whatever, um, you know, I kind of immediately just, just kind of approached it as, as a business, you know, like once I, once I realized that the songs really, they were kind of cool, you know, it had a, 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 a whole new, new sound. Of course they, they changed, um, you know, by the time that, that we, you know, released a commercial release, but, um, you know, I thought that the, the original material had some, some serious potential. So, you know, for me, I always just kind of approached it as a business and, you know, as a, I don't know, as a marketing opportunity, really. I mean, that's, um, you know, that was, that was kind of my background. That's what I was going to school for. So I really enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, we, we were, like you said, I I mean, I think we were pretty smart about it. You know, Mm -hmm. it it paid off and and here we are a million years later. A million years. Yeah. So that, that EP, uh, far from close, you guys recorded six songs. Now four made the cut, but two didn't, but I've always wondered about this kind of thing. The two songs that didn't make it, they're on YouTube. So what happens with that? Like these demos, these, these unreleased tracks, they always get leaked. Who does that? Do you guys know who does that? Or do you have a theory or is it just like a total mystery? Like how many people have copies of these demos? Dude, I, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. I didn't, oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know those songs were online. I'm going to have to go. I don't even know what they were. I'll have to go check them out. That's what I heard. I don't, I didn't check myself. Yeah. Cause I don't know, but I just, I always wondered with stuff like that. Like, I'm sure you guys have other stuff bootlegs and things that are that are online on youtube and stuff somewhere i didn't know if you knew like how many people get copies of demos and stuff like like even when you're a major label act how many people would have access to that i would think it would be very strictly locked down yeah yeah i don't i don't know um you know i i remember i remember at one point and i don't know if it was that particular little demo or ep or whatever you want to call it but i remember um do you remember that band 12 stones? No. Okay. Well, they had, so they were best known, I guess, for their, their singer was on that, uh, it's called bring me to life. That evanescence track. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. So, so Paul McCoy, their, their singer was, uh, you know, like I said, that's kind of how, at least, at least that's how they came into the mainstream. Okay. So I remember they came through, um, came through and played a show at, at UCO, which is where Blower and I went to, to college together. And uh, I remember approaching that band um, at that point. We were so excited to to go and, and give them a demo and, you know, thinking that, oh, man, we, as long as we can get our, you know, <laughs> our demo in the hands of this band, you know, everything will be fine. They'll they'll take it and do whatever with it, you know, we we were stupid, of course, but, um, you know, I remember, I remember doing that. I remember taking one up to, um, to that, you know, you know, the band Chevelle. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're all bass player. We, we went to a Chevelle show and he was signing some stuff after, after the show. And I remember we, we took him like our very first, like album, I guess. And, uh, I remember handing it to him and I was like, I was like, Hey man, um, you know, I don't, we're not expecting anything out of this. Um, you know, we don't want you to do anything with it, but we wanted to give you our CD, you know, just in case you guys get bored on the bus one night and you want something new to listen to, you know, we worked really hard on it. Here it is. And at first he was like, no, man, you know, I can't, I can't take it. I can't accept that. And I'm like, okay, man, well, 
I mean, we're just, we're just, if you want to listen to it, cool, man, just, it's fine. Just take it. And so I remember he, he took it and we sat around for a second and he turned around to, to walk off, to go back to the bus or wherever. And there's a trash can there. He just right in front of us, just threw it in the trash can. Like, Oh man, does that just like break your heart or what? Huh? I was just like, does that break your heart or what? Like I would be crushed if someone did that. Dude, at the time it, it certainly, it certainly did. And I was just thinking to myself, like, uh, you know, even if, you know, I, I know bands obviously now I, I know that, you know, they get pro- approached with, with stuff like that a lot, but man, I was just thinking, you know, what kind of, what kind of asshole does something like that right in front of people, you know, like, you know, a band that's so excited and spent their money to come and see you. And, you know, they were so, we were so excited to give it to him. And then I felt like it was just, he intentionally wanted to like, I don't know, just, just, uh, degrade us, I guess, right there in front of everybody. And this was, this was the singer of Chevelle or? No, I think it was their, I think it was their bass player. Bass player. Um, okay. Which I, which, you know, I think he might've, they might have fired him later. Sure, he I might be so. sending you a demo soon to help you get some help. So do, do <laughs> so, so do a lot of bands reach out to you guys? Do you get that a lot where bands meet you and hand, hand you demo tapes or business yeah, cards? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, cause we've always been really accessible, you know, like mm-hmm. after shows, you know, anytime there's, there's a bar around, you know, we'll, we'll <laughs> after shows, we'll, we'll go inside and, you know, just have drinks and, you know, meet as many people as we can and just try to try to get to know people. Yeah. So that's, that's part, part of the fun of, of, of doing this, you know, um, you know, without those people paying for, for tickets, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to do it. So we always, we always think it's pretty cool to go out and, and, you know, mingle and talk to people and get to know them. And so, so do you yeah, guys do the, the paid meet and greets then or. Yeah, we do, we do those as well. Um, I mean, yeah, a lot of people like that, you know, a lot of people that don't want to take the time to stick around after, after a show, um, you know, they like to have that like really like private one-on-one time. Um, so, and that, that's how we, most of the time when we can, we do our meet and greets. We, you know, we'll have, have people come on the bus and we'll just sit down and, you know, maybe have a beer or whatever. And, and, you know, just kind of have a, have a real conversation. Um, uh, we try not to do the whole thing where we just rush it through and, you know, mm. take a photo and just move along. You know, we, we, we try to, to take our time with it, but when we can, you know, it's not always possible if there's too many people, but we would try. That's cool. That's good. But then if people wait and they just go to the bar next door, you'll meet them for free. <laughs> Dude, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, we totally would. That's cool. That's cool. So extreme behavior, your major label debut, 2005, so how long has it been since when you started to where you got the major label? How long did it take you to get there? How many years was that? See, we started in 2001. Oh, okay. And, and then I think we, I think we signed our deal in 2004. Okay. I might, I, that's I might not, wow. That. I'm pretty terrible with, with this. No, that's, so a, so the, yeah, that's approximate. So it's like three or four years. I mean, that's pretty, you move, guys move pretty quick. And I think probably a lot of that's because like you said, you're putting money back into the band, like a business and advertising and all that kind of thing. That's really smart. Yeah, I mean, it, it went really fast, to be honest, you know, like, uh, you know, we were, um, you know, we, we put our focus into like the female fan base at first. Um, so I'm kind of giving our way, giving away some secrets to, 
to any local bands out there. How do you how do you, how do you focus on female? Do you take shirtless pictures and stuff or? God, nobody'd want to see that. No. <laughs> but I mean, we, we kind of we'd write songs that were kind of geared toward females, anyway. You know, songs that 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 women would like to listen to. Um, but but we you know we would go around to um, you know to sororities and uh, oh. you know go in and talk to them and and uh, you know we we hand out flyers to you know all the best looking <laughs> to all females. But well, yeah. Cause females, if you can get the females to come, the guys want to go where the females are, right? Do what? So if you can get the females to come, the guys want to be where the females are. So That's exactly right. Yeah. So every time we would play, everybody would always know where we were, you know, every other Friday night we were at the same place. And then, um, you know, it was just, there'd be it's literally, I'm not lying. There would be a line a mile long people waiting to get in and you know people couldn't get in until somebody left you know it was like the hot spot to be in Oklahoma City um you know every other Friday night and then eventually we got to the point where we're like okay we don't you know we don't want to be known always as this this little bar band so we we stopped doing that and we would just we'd go rent a building you know somewhere a big building and uh we would, you know, spend money on production, big stage, big light rig, PA, the whole deal. Um, we would spend money on on radio ads, and um, we'd really make sure that the, you know, the messaging in the ads was, was it was geared to make us look bigger than we were. You know? And this so, is all before you got signed. Yeah, yeah. And That's then, amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool, man. You know, and like when you're a you're a local band, you know, you've never had anything on the radio, you know, um, and people are coming, you know, you can sell out 750 to a thousand cap rooms. Um, you know, that's a pretty big deal. And, and, and at the time we were, we were doing all our own ticketing, all our own, everything basically. So everything that came through the door, you know, we were getting it, we were keeping it and then we could reinvest for the next show. Um, so, so I come to a Hinder show at this point and you or Austin or Blower is, is taking my ticket and then doing all this stuff. Well, we weren't taking tickets, but, uh, you, but yeah, it would have been somebody from, you know, friends or, or okay. Or yeah. People you helping know, we out. Had, yeah. We, we, <laughs> we went as far as to have like, we you know, had our own like, uh, credentials or, you know, backstage passes. We had our own, like, Jeez. we hired a group of our friends with like Hinder security shirts <laughs> And it wow. was like the whole deal, man. We did the whole thing and uh, it, it was, it was really neat, man. We, we, I'll say this, we fooled a lot of people, which I think probably led to us getting our record deal. Well, there you go. Fake it till you make it. I've heard that. It yeah. seemed to work really well. And obviously you guys are talented. Um, so that major label debut, this is a question I had. I could not find the answer to this. I don't even know if you know the answer, but there's a rumor. There was a rumor uh, that the model on the cover is actress Catherine Heigl. But it's not. It's supposed to be uh, a cover from a sex book, and then you just change the laundry or something. Who is the model? People were trying. There was an article on Loudwire in 2018, and they didn't know who it was, and they're like trying to figure it out. Do you even know? No, I don't. And the funny thing <laughs> is, is, is like like huge assholes. We were actually going out telling everybody that it was Catherine Heigl because we thought it was mm. somebody from our label actually told us that it was. Catherine Heigl. So 
we're just going around like just lying to everybody, you know, like, I don't know. I thought that was pretty. That's hilarious. So like the record label picked that picture and they, they must've been on the up and up and got the rights for it or whatever and did it legit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So I can't not bring up lips of an angel or I'm not doing my job. I don't know what we can say about, obviously the song's huge is I don't know if there's anything we can say about it that hasn't been said before. Is there anybody that, um, like a really famous person or like a hero of yours that reached out and told you how much they love that song and that kind of blew you away? You know, uh, over the years I've, I've heard of, of people, you know, mentioning it or, or saying something about it, but not, you know, not really that I can, that I can think of, um, you know, anybody in particular, but like I said, my memory's terrible and, you know, we drank a lot of years away. So, uh, <laughs> Do people still bring it up a lot? Like, cause I just had uh, the singer of Everclear on and I was asking him about the song father of mine. And he said, people bring that up to me every single day. So I was like, wow. Yeah. So, so what do you, oh, you ask him like about lips? Do people still bring yeah. Do, do people bring that up to like, oh, that song changed my life or it meant so much to me or. Dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, day, daily pretty much, you know, especially when we're out on the road, but uh, it's funny, man. Like uh, more often than, than not, they, they mess up the title. It's always like that, you know, uh, you know, kiss from an angel or like, you know, that. <laughs> Really? Angel Lips, Angel Lips song or <laughs> whatever. I don't know. It's funny. Do you correct them or do you just let it go? Nah, not anymore. Okay. <laughs> it's like, whatever, man. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate okay. it. <laughs> cool. So the next album, uh, Take It to the Limit. I, you know, I love, see, this is the problem with, I think, uh, the public perception of you guys is like a lot of people just know you for the Lips of an Angel song, but you guys have so many awesome, like, straight ahead rockers, like, Use Me. And um, the Take It to the Limit song, though, I got to ask you about that. You got to meet and collaborate with Mick Mars. I'm a huge Motley Crue fan. I think you guys are as well, right? Yeah, I mean, who's not, really, you know? So, yeah, tell Um, me about that experience. What's he like? He's, like, honestly one of the nicest dudes of all time, to to be honest. It was was kind of interesting. You know, we went up to, um, to his house, you know, up in the up in the hills out in LA or whatever. And, um, we walk into this house, you know, it's just massive house. Right. And so we walk in and, uh, you know, this, this young girl answers the door. that <laughs> looks exactly like what you think Mick Mars would look like. It's like a 20 year old girl. Right. <laughs> she's like, you know, goth, like black hair. Really? Long, like She looks just like him. Only she's, she's, this is, I'm assuming his daughter. No, it was his girlfriend. Oh. And wow. Yeah, right? So anyway, so we walk in and we're like, we look around and, and the house is like totally empty. I mean, like nothing in it at all. Is he um, moving? Or were, do what? Is he moving or what's going on? Well, so he, he comes out, right? So, well, in one room, I can't say it was totally empty. One room, there was like this this wall of of like full Marshall stacks. And then there were some plaques, like all the Motley Crue plaques, like laying on the floor, just like laying there in a corner. And there was like in the kind of the dining room area of the house, there was a one couch, like an old couch just sitting over there in the corner. Right. And so anyway, and Oh, here's the, I thought this was really weird. So like the, the banister, like the staircase, the banister, all like 
almost every single one of the supports for the handrail were gone. Right. It was like, there were like two in it. And like he was, kicked them out or. <laughs> yeah, I guess he did. I guess one night he got, he was like, he said he came out and he was like, I don't really like those anymore. So he took a sledgehammer and just <laughs> knocked them all out. But wow. it's so, it was so bizarre, man. Like, you know, he came out and we were like, Hey, you know, Mick, nice, nice to meet you. You know, like, are you, are you moving or did you just move in? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Well, uh, okay. anyway, so hmm. yeah, it was, it was wild, dude. And then, you know, we went into his little, he had this one little, little bedroom, you know, that was downstairs that he used as a studio. And, um, you know, he played us, you know, some of the clips that, uh, you know, of him doing the solo, some of the takes, um, for the song, take it to the limit. And then after, you know, he, he was like, you guys want to hear like the secret to my tone? So we were like, yeah, sure. So we go in the living room and he's like, he picks up this, this pedal. I don't even remember what it was now. And he's like, this is it, man. So he sets it down, he plugs it in and he turns on those, those amps. And I swear to God, like it was the loudest thing I've ever experienced. And he just like, Wrong, you know, just, just rips a chord out. And it was just like, I don't know. It's like a cartoon where like, <laughs> the air is like blowing your. Like ear Back out. to the Future when Marty McFly goes does the chord and gets blown away by the speaker. <laughs> exactly. It was. It was like that, man. It okay. really was. It was. It was crazy, you know. And it was, you know, in the middle of the night, you know. And he had neighbors, so there's there's no way they didn't hear it. It was so loud. But uh, I don't know, man. It was a really really cool experience to to get to meet him and and just see how like how down to earth he was, you know? Hmm. And at that time, you know, it was before they had um, started touring and uh, you know, so he was kind of physically wasn't, wasn't in great shape. You know, he wasn't quite as limber, you know, mm-hmm. he wasn't moving a lot. So it was kind of, it wasn't what I expected. You know, I didn't, I didn't really know that at the time. So, um, but he was, I don't know, man, he was super cool. Super nice guy. That's awesome. So then you guys do this Jägermeister music tour with trapped, and Rev Theory. I just had a, well, not just had, but a couple months ago, I had Matt McClaskey on from that yeah. band. He's so nice. What a cool guy. Super down to earth. Like you said, um, would you ever consider doing a reunion of this tour or how are you cool with the guys in Trapped? Cause I know the singer has rubbed some people the wrong way recently with his social media stuff. Yeah. I think I would, I'd be willing to go out and tour with every band except Trapped. Mm. So yeah, I mean, yeah, dude. I don't know. I think that guy's kind of losing it a little bit, to be honest with you. And I'm, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get some, some heat for that or whatever, but, um, you know, I just personally, I don't, I don't really see a, a need to, to go around and putting your, your political views, um, shoving them in everybody's faces and, you know, treating people the way that he treats them. I just, I don't, I mean, I, I think it's unnecessary and, and, you know, I don't, I don't really like it that he treats people that were fans of, of, you know, his band, the way that he treats them. I think it's kind of, it's kind of disrespectful, a little bit messed up personally. That's my like with the people. social media stuff or other stuff. Yeah. With social media stuff. And it's not even, you know, he'll go and he'll post his thing or whatever. And, and you know, people, everybody gets riled up now. Right. Everybody's all on edge all the time. Sure. About these things. So, but it's just the way he reacts to them after the fact. You know, I, I think I see. I just don't. I don't really think that's. I don't think it's necessary. You know, and 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 to be honest, you know, we we share. You know, our bands share a lot of the same 
same fan base. So, right. you know, a lot of those times when he's disrespecting those, those people, you know, I feel like he's disrespecting our, our fan base as well. I just don't think it's very good for, you know, for, for our genre, for him to be carrying on that way. So. No, that's a good point. And I think, I think it was Matt or somebody that I interviewed brought up the point that, you know, it's fine for him to have those views or maybe not whatever, but at least post them from your personal social media. He was posting them from the bands. And, yeah, and I think Matt was the one that told me that the other members of the band don't share his same political beliefs. So it really should be his own personal Facebook or Twitter or whatever it was. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's a, that's a really good point, man. I, I do, I do feel bad for, for the rest of the guys. That's, that's, that's pretty shitty. Yeah. So the other next album, all American nightmare, uh, the title track from this album is so good. It's like a straight ahead rocker. I think a lot of your music, it's, they're kind of like 80s rock style, but like you take like a modern twist on it. It doesn't sound like it's from the 80s, but I, I like kind of hear the influences on a lot of that stuff. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we've always been, you know, big, big fans of the of 80s rock. And um, the two guys that, that we wrote the song with um, out in out in Nashville, a um, couple of couple of country guys that were they kind of got started as rock guys and, and they were um you know they were really influenced by 80s rock as well you know they always loved it and so of course they had a had a blast writing the song and and i mean they, they ended up writing um the majority of that album with us actually because we just had such great chemistry uh together but um yeah uh brett and brad warren um they had a, a country project called the warren brothers oh. uh, back in the day so uh, you can go and, and check that out, but man, to be honest, they're they're some of the most talented songwriters that I've ever I've ever written with. They're incredible. So wow! And also, you you co-wrote with Jeffrey Steele, Red Tail Light song, Tail Lights. Yeah. Um, he's like he's written a lot of songs and collaborated with a lot of artists. Honestly, that that was like that was one of the highlights I think for me. Um, you know, in my in my career, was getting getting the chance to go and and write with, with Jeffrey Steele, dude. He's like, like how he wasn't the biggest thing in the world, um, as an artist, not only as a songwriter, it just, just blows my mind. You know, he's, he's put out some stuff, um, you know, some solo APs of songs, um, you know, that he's written over the years and, and his versions, man, are incredible. His voice is so amazing. And, uh, you know, he's, he's another one of those guys that, you know, when we went to, to ride with him, he just, you know, welcomed us right in and, you know, had his cigar and his whiskey. And, you know, he was just like the, the most cool down to earth dude ever. But yeah, like you said, he's written about a million hits. Yeah. Well, and then the, the next album, Welcome to the Freak Show, then another, I love these collaborations. You write with Richard Marks. What is, like he was a huge 80s pop guy. So that that's interesting. Is that somebody that you guys reached out to or did he reach out to you? Um, you know, I'm not really sure how, how that one came about, you know, he, he makes his rounds out, out in Nashville quite a bit and well, and everywhere, you know, oh, okay. um, you know, he's been a, he's been a songwriter, you know, outside of his own career for forever, you know? Um, and he's shh, dude, I mean, it doesn't get any better than, than Richard Marks. It's, it's, it was awesome to sit in the room with him and listen to him, you know, sing parts of the song back while you're writing. I mean, he's just like he nails every pitch and it's the first time he's, he's ever sang this melody, you know, and, and he's just, I don't know, man, he's incredible. And he, uh, he's really, he's a really funny dude. 
too, you know, like really? watching social media now and he's, he's really funny and <laughs> yeah, he's he had actually, some tweets go viral, I think. Yeah. 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 My, my wife is really excited. He, he retweeted one of her tweets. She's not very active on Twitter. She just reads things or whatever, but she responded to something that he put up and he retweeted her the other day and she was, <laughs> she was pretty excited about it. That's cool. So you, and you produced that album. Was that the first time? I think that was the first time you produced. And then it was interesting that you had James Michael from 6am mix it. What that's a, yeah. how does that work? Well, Why so would you we actually, we actually got, we, so we actually co-produced, uh, Marshall, um, and I co-produced, okay. yeah. um, the all American nightmare record with Kevin Cherko. Um, so that was, that was a, a huge honor that, that he allowed us to do that. Um, but yeah, so we, we went ahead and, and produced the next album and, um, yeah, man. I mean, we had worked with James and he was a, a really good friend. And, and, um, you know, we, uh, we sent it, we sent the songs out to, man, I don't even know how many different guys, probably oh. 10 different big name mixers. And, uh, he ended up blowing everybody else out of the water, to be honest with you. He was, I mean, he's a, he's a really talented guy, you know, as a, as a songwriter, as a performer, obviously. And, mm-hmm. and uh, producer mixer you know he's 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 amazing yeah so then and then you do uh when the smoke clears that's the first one with new singer marshall dutton but he had again he like you said he had already helped you co-write and collaborate and produce and all that stuff for years so that was probably a pretty smooth transition then yeah i mean obviously whenever you're making that kind of transition i mean (laughs) it's never it's never like smooth but you know um you know i think for us you know, it was the only move that, that we could have made at the time, you know, we were going through, you know, so much emotionally and, and mentally. Um, you know, I, I just think that at that point, man, like we just needed to, we needed to be home. You know what I mean? We needed to be surrounded with, uh, you know, friends and family and, and we needed somebody to fill that role that cared about the band as much as we did, you know, somebody who, who was going to take it seriously and somebody that we, we knew wasn't going to let us down. And, uh, you know, Marshall was that guy and, and he's, he's filled that role, you know, for what going on seven years now. So mm-hmm. it's been, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. So Austin left cause there was some drug issues and stuff. Are you guys at least amicable now though, or, What's the relationship like with him? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you know, I, I uh, you know, we we you know, we talk, exchange text messages every now and again, but it's you know, I think for for us, you know, I think we we hesitate to to go back to you know opening the the relationship too much, you know, just because it was like I said, it was such a it was such a rough time for us emotionally, you know, I mean, it could have, it could have completely crippled all of us financially, you know, and not just us, but our, our, you know, our families, our crew members, you know, we, we, we carry a a pretty big crew and support them as well. So, um, you know, it was a pretty big, a pretty big deal for us. It was pretty difficult. So, um, it was a lot of, a lot of anxiety surrounding that. So I, I think we, you know, we're, we obviously, you know, we, we wish him well and don't ever want anything bad to happen to him or anything like that. It's just that I think that, you know, we're not, I don't know that we want to get too close. In that relationship. You're not looking to do a reunion is what you're saying. 
that's exactly yeah, okay. that's that's that was the very long-winded <laughs> fair enough fair you enough stop me a long time ago no no i like i'm just gonna let you like speak your mind so uh and then i think this is is this your most recent album the rain 2017 Okay, so that song "Loser Salute," I just love that title. That like when I saw the album, I was like, "I'm going through your discography. I'm looking at all. I'm listening to all the music, and um, that that one is, I love the song too. It's like a slow build, and then it kicks in. It's a catchy chorus, and just again, such a great title. Who or what inspired that song? Is that a fictional or is that a true story? No, I think you know it's just one of those songs that that uh, you know Marshall and I were sitting around and. Uh, uh, you know, we just had the concept for it. We thought it was really cool and really funny. And that's actually, that's actually, it may be my favorite track on the album, but it's, it's like, right. I that, think mine too. Yeah. It's one that like never really caught on, you know, it was, it was, I think it was the last track on the album. Yes. Maybe. Yep. Um, so I, I don't know if most people have the attention span to make it that far <laughs> into album cuts anymore. So, yeah. um, you know, I feel like it really got overlooked, but you know, we had a really great time doing the production for that song. Um, you know, you can hear like, uh, you know, like little sound effects and things like, you know, there was a time we, you know, we put a bunch of beer bottles and trash on the floor and just went and kicked it over and, you know. Oh, really? It. I didn't even and notice so we that. Used, we used all these like. like I'll have to go back. Yeah, Is it, it cool, subtle? Because I don't remember hearing those parts. Yeah, it's all pretty subtle. Okay. You know, I think it's a lot of things that, that unless you know it's there, you, you may not, you know, you may not notice it. Like a lot of stuff in the background where like, you know, you can just imagine this drunk guy stumbling through his like shitty apartment and like, <laughs> stubbing his toe on the trash can, right? You, you can hear him like in the background, like, fuck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go back and listen to that. That's awesome. And then... Yeah. um you guys did a cover recently. You didn't do a full album, but you did a cover of the Eagles life in the fast lane. Um, it looks like you've done some fun covers. Do you like to play the covers live? Cause I love when bands surprise me with the covers. And I think I saw, I don't know if this is real. I read this on the internet, but did you guys once do a cover of skid Rose youth gone wild? Yeah, we did. We didn't do it very long though. Um, I, I can't remember. I think it was, that was probably a pretty challenging song to sing live. Every oh, night, so. yeah, but yeah, we, we loved playing that song. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, the the Eagles track, man, we, uh, you know, I, it was just one of those things. I was sitting around one day and I was I was actually learning, the trying to learn the riff and I had an acoustic guitar and um, all of a sudden I just started like not I wasn't really paying attention to what I was doing, but I was just playing this like, I don't know, like dark minor, you know, version of, of it, of the riff and um, I just had the, had the idea to do it. So I, I took it to Marshall and we went in and, and tracked it and, um, you know, the rest of the guys seemed to, to, to love it. So yeah, we started playing it live and, you know, it, it, it went over really well, man. It was like, uh, like I said, it's a real, it's a real like dark take on the song, I think. So which, yeah, a little heavier you know, the lyrics, the lyrics are really, are really kind of, are really kind of dark, you know, when you think about it. So, I mean, it kind of kind of lends itself to that. You know what I mean? It, it kind of makes sense with the with the song, with the lyrics. Mm, no, that's really cool. I've noticed that um, with some of your songs that you released as singles, uh, they, they didn't make it as big in the U.S. They made it bigger in Australia. Like the songs, uh, Is It Just Me and Making It Hard. Do you guys have like a like a pretty big fan base in Australia? You know, I, it's funny. I mean, I, I guess we do. Um, 
but we can't seem to to ever make it back over there. You know, really? we've only been twice, and uh, you know, for whatever reason, huh. you know, we really want to go back, um, but we can't seem to can't seem to do it. Um, but a, a funny story is, I actually had uh, Marshall and I. We co-wrote a, a a country song with some of the guys from from Jason Aldean's band um, called "You Got to Me." And uh, that ended up being a number one country song in Australia. Oh, really? So, yeah. So Which guys from his band? Because I had Rich Redmond on, isn't he? Isn't he the drummer for? Yeah. J- yeah. 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 It was. It was. It was Rich. And oh, Kurt. I love him. He's so nice. He did. He's awesome. Yeah. He's yeah. amazing. He's a, he's a good friend. So yeah, they they came to the house here in Oklahoma City um, when they were playing playing around town, and uh, yeah, we wrote wrote two or three songs on that trip while while they were here, and and that was one of them. So. Yeah, pretty cool deal. That's really cool. So then, yeah, tell me about uh, or tell people about the Dangerous Hippies band, because um, you guys were approached to write a commercial, but you didn't. It didn't want to use the Hinder brand because they wanted more like a Black Keys kind of sound. And now you kind of did. You've done all sorts of stuff with different. Um, uh, 1982 was that was the, I think the song that sounds kind of Black Keys, but the other song, uh, Contagious, Contagious, Dangerous. That's really poppy and catchy. And there's, it's kind of like you have no rules with this band, right? You can do whatever you want. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's kind of what it's been, um, you know, up to this point, you know, and we have, we have so many songs for it um, that we haven't, we haven't put out, you know, the concept is going to be, we were going to, you know, just put it out song by song, you know, whatever we, we kind of felt like it, but yeah, we have, you know, more than an album's worth of material already recorded. Um, just kind of, kind of sitting on the hard drive. Wow. Um, so which commercial is that song in or, or did it? I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that it ever actually made it. You know, I just, uh, I remember writing it and I remember okay. sending it around to, to our like publishing team and, and everybody was like, man, this is, this is really cool. You know, we really like this. And, you know, it was something that we, we knocked out pretty quick. And um, so we, we, we had a lot of fun doing it. So we decided, you know, let's, let's just keep, let's just keep doing this. Why not? You know? So, um, you know, over time, you know, the, the sound changed. Cause I guess there's, there's really not a particular sound to that, that project. It's really just kind of all over the place. Yeah. But, you know, some of it's rock, some of it's pop, some of it's bulky, some of it's, I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, that that's one of those instances, like I was saying earlier, you know, it's really fun as a songwriter that, you know, you can pull, you know, from different influences and kind of put them into to one pot and stir it up. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we've had a, we've had a lot of fun doing that when we've kind of recently, uh, you know, kind of taken a break from, from, from doing it. Um, you know, Marshall's been working on some, he's, he's doing like a guitar album kind of thing right mm-hmm. now. That's like, kind of like Joe Satriani kind of, cause I don't know if most people know this about Marshall, but he's like, uh, he was originally a guitar player, the guitar player in a band called Faction, and that's how we met him. Um, but he's like, I mean, he's amazing. He's like, a Satriani he's a type of guitar player. He could do that stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, he's like he's and he's on that level. Like he's he's literally that good. He's amazing. Damn. Um, well, I look forward to that. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then so while he was doing, you know, he's been working on that, doing that thing, and um, you know, I actually started for some weird reason. I don't know why, but I just, <laughs> I started writing like this, this, uh, like rock EP. So, um, I guess I'm going to, I wrote like, you know, six songs and then did a cover for it. So, 
I think I'm probably going to put that out maybe here in the next, I don't know, maybe, maybe next few weeks. Is this like maybe a solo record or what is this? What? Is this a solo record or what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Do you sing? Something I've never, I've never really done it before. You know, I've never, okay. I've never done anything like as, you know, singing anything, you know, I've never even attempted it. You know, I've never had the, never had the the need beyond just writing songs um, and, you know, just sitting down in my, you know, in my studio by myself, you know, I just kind of started, started doing it. And, and uh, you know, some of the tracks started turning out, you know, I thought they were really cool, you know, and okay. you know, our management seemed to like it. And so, you know, I, I thought, I, I thought I'd just put it out there for, for fun, for people, you know, that are, that have followed, followed hinder might might kind of enjoy it you know so yeah i'll definitely check that out cody hansen uh solo ep coming soon awesome that's really neat so you got to tell me these two you have two uh, that i could find two legendary amazing road stories uh that that i that i heard you talk about uh the the first one is the uh the prosthetic leg story tell me tell our listeners this one this is classic uh yeah i think i've I've told this one about a million times but yeah we were we were uh playing this it was like this festival up in this, it was like a ski ski festival or something. It was, you know, like up in the mountains. So it was like, you know, snowing outside, obviously. So we were in this big, this big heated tent, it was like massive tent. And, uh, you know, it was packed in there, you know, like, I mean, totally packed and people are all sweaty and gross. And, um, you know, sometimes people just like throw their random things up on stage for whatever reason, you know, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, so this guy uh, throws his his prosthetic leg up on the stage and, um, you know, one of the other guys picks it up and they're like hitting blower with it because he was always like the the prankster guy. Right. He was the joke, the life of the party all the time. And so he uh, so our, he was he was getting kind of pissed. So he he snags it and he walks over back to the drum riser where he had his drinks and stuff. And he took his vodka and he poured it in there and like swirled it around real good to get all the skin and stuff (laughs) pounds it just drinks right out of the way (laughs) so he's got like pieces of the guys like uh yeah it's not clean not hygienic right no that's disgusting okay so if people (laughs) think that's disgusting they better turn this episode off because now it's about to get really disgusting i don't even know if this story is true this is almost like where you like i don't even i don't believe this story so you're out on tour with my darkest days they're opening for you their keyboard player he's always trying to like outdo everybody and you guys go out for sushi yeah and i'll let you take the rest of the story <laughs> i don't even know if i remember it exactly but i remember i remember it was like he was reed the the keyboard player you know he was he was always the he was pretty much the only one that was always trying to to outdo blower but i can't remember which one of them like one of them felt you know it was it was the sushi was disgusting let's yeah say that okay and we were walking back and one of them one of them got sick and threw up in this field like i mean a pretty big massive like a big massive pile of vomit and i can't remember which one did it if it was blower if it was reed but one of them walked over and grabbed a handful and ate it yeah, that's just that's that puts Aussie snorting ants and licking pissed to shame. I think that's way worse to eat a handful. And did he like finish it or did he? Did I at that point? I, I don't even know. Like, I wasn't going to sit around and watch like that for whatever reason grossed me out. Like, that is for whatever reason, because you're human. Yeah, that's crazy. 
I'm going to have to get, I think it was, you said in the original interview, I heard you talking about, I think you said it was Reed that did it. So yeah. I'll have to, okay. uh, I'll have to get him on here and tell that story. But, um, okay. A couple more questions. I'll let you go, but I know you guys did, a, you've done some talk shows. Like you did Craig Ferguson and Conan and Lennon. And I, so I looked it up and I was like, okay, one of the episodes, Samuel Jackson was on the same night. And then I think another time David Spade, did you have any interactions with those two when you were there? Uh, apparently not. Cause I don't, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Is it pretty rare to have interactions with those other, the other guests on the show or. Um, maybe I, I don't, I don't really know. Like, um, you know, I remember when we did Leno, he was like the nicest dude ever, you know, he came in and, and talked to us for a while. Hmm. Um, you know, and you know, he had some, some tie to, to Oklahoma. So we had something in common. Oh. So we, we talked to him for quite a while. He was, he was really awesome. Um, the other, the other dudes, not quite so much. Um, you know, I remember when we were on Conan, I remember him like, we could hear him like screaming at somebody through the walls. Like he, somebody had pissed him off royally. So he was, he was, he was screaming at somebody. And that was my really Conan. Yeah. I was that's that was really shocking because I cannot picture him being I've never even I've, I can't picture him being mad unless it's like he's being funny and pretending to be mad. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too. And, and, and maybe somebody had really done something wrong. I have no idea. But sure. I, I was just, it, it just kind of caught me off guard because, like I said, it was looks like the, the nicest dude ever. Yeah. So, but, and maybe he is. I don't know. I sure. Should, I well, everybody has a bad day. Yeah, it happens. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and, and actually. I, I, one of our crew guys had told me they bumped into to Craig Ferguson and he was a total dick. <laughs> so I, I don't know. <sighs> Man, do you have those in it besides the uh, Chevelle bass player or whatever? Have you had those kind of interactions where you met people that you thought were really cool and they just were total dick to you? I mean, it must happen. No. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely, it definitely happens. Um, but for the most part, I mean, most, most of the people are, are pretty cool. Um, I remember there was this one band though, that, that we toured with, uh, we were doing this, this tour called the Mad Packers tour. We were going around playing these, these colleges, um, this business, uh, sponsored it. So that's what it was called. But anyway, this band they're called like, I think they were called operator and they were, they were signed to Atlantic and, uh, they were opening the shows and, the singer was like this like UFC guy, you know? And so he's always walking around with his shirt off and like thinking he was like the coolest thing ever. Right. And we would always catch him. Like, I mean, he was the biggest prick, but we'd always catch him. Like, you know, the bottoms of, of tour buses, they're, they're mirrored. Right. So you can, you can you know, you can see the reflection. We'd always catch him out like in front of our bus, like, <laughs> looking at him. <laughs> looking at himself and, like, and uh, oh, I love your impersonation of that. That was great. That was classic. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway oh, that's hilarious. Uh, he uh, he ended up like he he would go on stage and like talk shit on us and bash us and stuff. What? And, yeah, it was crazy. Actually, I think the I think the ref three guys might have been out on that too. But anyway, huh. um, and he ended up like he like threw he took like something from the stage and like threw it down into the crowd and broke some little girl's arm and like he was like out of control just like he wasn't 
he wasn't like drunk or anything. So he's like a big meathead guy, right? But like, oh, maybe uh, roids. Maybe he was on roids. Do what? Maybe he was on roids. He maybe, maybe so. We ended, we ended up uh, having to, to call him in, and I think we ended up kicking him off the tour. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So that was like that's like really the only, I mean, really bad blood that we've ever ever had with anybody. We pretty much get along with, you know, or we try to, you know, get along with everybody. We're pretty pretty laid back. Well, and also like, aren't some of those people that are kind of more you know, kind of dickheads, they kind of just keep to themselves anyways, right? They're not going to come in to your dressing room and stuff because they don't want to, they're just maybe more introverted or whatever. Yeah, most of the time, you know. Yeah, most of the time. We we actually, like, we tend to get more offended when people don't come and, and hang out with us. You know, if people hmm. don't want to come on our bus and, and you know, just walk on and, and act like it's their house too. You know, we, we really like to, for people to be social and, and, you know, have drinks with us or whatever. So, well, that's awesome. That's about man building relationships. That's very cool. I know I'll let you get, get, uh, we'll wrap this up here. Cause I know you're, you're a very busy man. I, I was like listening to all the things you're doing. You got a production business, you're flipping houses. You, you know, you want to travel, you got ten, hinder, you got your freaking uh, solo record and, uh, you spend a lot of time working on music from morning to late at night. How do you find all the time to do all this stuff? Like, are you just super busy all the time? I try to stay, stay busy. Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, like lately, you know, with, uh, you know, with the whole pandemic thing, you know, we weren't doing a lot. So, um, you know, for me, I just kind of got in a schedule and I think that's how the, the whole like EP thing came about really is, um, I kind of just got in a schedule where I'd wake up like, for whatever reason, I wake up at like 730 to, to let my dogs out. So I just kind of, you know, like make my way down to the studio and just kind of just kind of start messing with stuff, you know. And, and you know, some days I'll, I'll get an idea and that's, you know, that's the start of a of a song, you know, or, or some days, you know, I'll, I'll get far into a song and then I'll just go. And you know what? I kind of I kind of think this sucks, you know, and so I'll just throw it away and move on. Wow. But yeah, man, I just try to try to make it a schedule as, as like as scheduled as possible, I guess. That's smart. And then, so do you guys have any future plans? I think I only saw like five tour dates for Hinder. Is there, is there more gonna, on the horizon or? Yeah, no, we just, we just, uh, just announced, um, we have, uh, two dates coming up in June at the end of this month. Um, and then we have like five weeks in July and August. So I think we start, we start on the 20s. We lost the first show, but we uh, start on the 26th. Um, and that is in, I don't remember, but <laughs> we started on the 26th of July and we end, I think, on the 26th of, of August. Is that, is that on the web? Did I miss that? I thought I was looking at the website on tour dates and I was like, I'm not seeing a lot. Or maybe they're just not on the website yet. Yeah, they may not be on the website yet. Okay. We need to fix that. So, um, but yeah, yeah, they're, they're up on our, on our socials. You can, you can find the ad mats. For okay. Them, so. Are you coming to, do you know if you're coming to Phoenix? I don't believe we are. Damn actually. it. Okay. Well, if you're close, maybe I'll uh, drive, do a drive to Vegas or uh, California or something like that. Cool, man. That'd be awesome. Okay. Just, just hit me up and let me know. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make sure you, have, you know, have the tickets or whatever you need. Okay. Thanks, man. That's awesome. And then, um, I like to end each episode with a charity, I don't know if there's one you want to just give a quick shout out to or something that's uh, near and dear to your heart. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, my wife and I are, are really big into, 
uh, we love animals. You know, that's our thing. So there's, there's this, uh, there are several around Oklahoma city that do really great things, but, um, one in particular that, that we really uh, like is called misfits. Okay. Um, they kind of, they take, they take in, I mean, they take in a lot, but you know, I think that how they started is they take, they were taking in animals that, you know, had, um, like deformities or, or, you know, things Aww. that, that would, pe- people might not, you know, that might make them undesirable to people for whatever reason. or whatever, What a great know. cause. I love this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's, it's one lady that does it and, and they do such amazing work. So she's, she's got a huge heart. So. Okay. Definitely. I will put their website in the show notes along with the, the hinder, website and uh people can check it out for tour dates and uh follow you on social media awesome man Thank all you right so much. Well, yeah thanks for doing this a lot of fun yeah man anytime all right talk to you later bye bye well i really enjoyed this episode cody is a class act and a super cool guy so do yourself a favor and if you haven't listened to hinder's music just go check out some of their other th- songs on spotify or youtube and tell me it's not great stuff like not just the lips of an angel song, the other stuff. And I also love his side project, dangerous hippies. Check that out as well. Um, and we'll have to keep a lookout for his solo project. It sounds intriguing for sure. So their website is in the show notes, along with the tour dates and social media links, everything you need. My website is in there as well, along with my social media links. If you want to support the show, your likes, comments, and shares all help out. And I appreciate it. I had a lot of people reach out to me recently and tell me they enjoy the show. And I'm extremely grateful for all those messages and I hope I be never never become one of those guys that uh, turns into a dick to people. Uh, so I appreciate you all. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And remember, shoot for the moon.